Hey everybody, welcome back. Uh, this is episode six of In Layman's Terms with Rich Sontag and I'm Ben Schofield. Uh, today we're going to have another sort of like a rambling session. I just got back from a four-day conference up in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania and haven't really got a chance to download uh, much of what uh, I heard while I was there with Rich and so we're going to go through some of that uh, now. Um, it was at a church called Life Center in Harrisburg and every year for, I think they were saying 20, 21 years, something like that, they've had a regular conference every, for the most part, every February, end of February. And uh, it uh, has been called Firestorm uh, for years and years and years. And I believe this is the first year that they changed the name to Envision. Uh, so that's, that's the name of the conference. Or, and I don't know if they plan on changing it yearly or not, but that's what it was this year. Um, it had a great lineup of speakers. Andy Bird was there, who is kind of like one of the head guys on The Send, which is kind of like a follow-up to Lou Engel's The Call. Um, who else was there? Sean Smith was there, who's kind of like a, a evangelist kind of geared guy. He does a lot of prophetic evangelism and power evangelism, which I think was the, the term that um, John Wimber coined. Uh, who else was there? Um, Bob Hazlett was there, and uh, Sammy Rodriguez was there. Sammy Rodriguez is the guy. He, he has a, a fairly large uh, following out there in, um, I believe it's L.A., but definitely California. And he is the guy that made the uh, Breakthrough movie uh, oh, about the right. kid that um, drowned here in St. Louis and then came back to life in, in the, uh, in the uh, what do you call it, the, the hospital up in St. Peter's. Um, so that's, that's what we spent. My, me and my wife spent our last uh, Wednesday through Sunday evening uh, over there, kind of taking all that in. Well, well I got some good questions for you. Um, so what was the main objective of the seminar? For them or for us? For them, what was their agenda? Um, for Speaking them, to the nation, I, I don't know if, if the church itself that hosted the conference had a really specific objective. I don't think that... They talked about it a lot, other than just talking about uh, the Envision idea, like, you know, two years of COVID and lockdowns and churches closing left and right, and an overall, in America, not every church, but in America, a decline in church attendance of 30%. Wow. And so there was a lot of, uh, the idea was envisioning the church on how to move forward. What did COVID mean? What did the lockdowns mean? What does the attrition mean that they've shrunk the way they have and things like that? Wow. So what was the objective for you and Sarah going? Um, it, it was it was kind of multifaceted. We have some old friends there um, that we connect with on on several different levels. We're pretty sure that the Lord has called us to do some to, some work with them. Um, one of my good friends that I grew up with in Guatemala um, we went to the same church, worked for the same church, all this kind of stuff. He now runs a ministry out there that I think everybody should check out called Life Seeds. I believe their website is lifeseeds.org. Mm -hmm. And um, it is a, a large, uh, mostly uh, food ministry. Um, in the last, let's see, 20, we're in 2022. In 2021, I believe it was, he gave away something like 25 five million pounds of food um, and he's got a really cool um, kind of uh, way he does it first of all he's just got a really really 
unique f gifting of favor like all the time for for a large portion of his adult life people have just come up and give him stuff and and they don't do, always do it or most most of the time they don't do it like hey this is for you they just come up to him and say hey like this is a real story hey i have 20,000 pairs of like 150 dollar shoes if i give them to you can you give them away and so then he takes down 20,000 pairs of shoes or whatever to Guatemala and gives them away. Um, he got a donation of 30,000 teddy bears, the vast majority of which were the size of you and I, given to him from the city of Hershey, Pennsylvania. And he goes into the inner city and gives them all away. And then uh, at some point about five or six years ago, he had a guy um, that had, uh, it's an Amish guy that had a just an I don't know how you'd call it. I, I mean, he, he runs a warehouse for the purpose of supplying food banks. And he had he, he gets donations from wherever he gets them and had way too much. And so he goes to this friend of mine and says, hey, you know, do you want to help me out with this? And, and he just off the cuff comes up with this idea where he gets a truck and a driver um, and he calls up. So the warehouse will call him and say, I have four truckloads of food, and he calls four inner city pastors that he knows and says, I can be there Saturday at 8 a.m., the truck and the driver, and by, by driver, I just mean his time, and the truck, same, same kind of thing, will cost us 150 bucks, and all the food in is free. I can show up Saturday at 8, and the, the local pastor organizes, tells the community, and they get there, they'll start unloading the truck, there'll be lines wrapped around the corner, and and they'll just spend the whole day giving away food. And while they have the captive audience, they send ministry teams out and they're praying for the sick and the line and preaching the gospel and stuff. So it sounds like there's men there of vision that are activists in our nation, practically serving the nation. Uh, if you were just to put uh, the voice, the prophetic voice that was being speak, spoken there, and let's just start with three or four sentences yeah. and then articulate that from Well, there. so that, that was one of our personal reasons for going was to reconnect with that friend of mine um, that I don't get to see very often. Um, and then uh, the other thing that we both thought was super beneficial is, uh, you know, anybody that has a pulse nowadays, uh, I think here in America especially, is just noticing the... the the state of the country spiritually, mm -hmm. um, in some cases physically and financially, you know, some decent little declines um, that, that we're facing right now. And, you know, we're far from uh, a third world country, you know, but God is no fan of poverty. You know, I don't I don't think sure. that that's like should be an objective of ours. But, you know, we're going through a lot of uh, a lot of changes right now that are, are really opening the eyes of a lot of believers. And um, that was, to, to your second point that you asked a second ago, that was really the common thread that I heard throughout the whole thing is that people were saying that our current trajectory and the fallout from COVID and all of COVID itself was nothing but an opportunity to press the reset button on the church. Um, you know, the basic theme being the attrition has been more like a filtering. You know, it's been it's been an idea that, you know, you're just finding out who was committed, why they were committed and what they were committed to kind of a thing. Um, and nobody there nor us mean that as like a blanket statement that if you have gone to church less, you know, you're less committed. But as an overall feel, people are, are getting the idea that, you know, you had to be really, really committed to the church, the positive parts of the church to, you know, continue um, in the last two years to, to be really committed and serving and, and attending and fellowshipping and, and, you know, really just pouring your life out for, for people in the middle of, of it all. Mm -hmm. And that was a really great theme um, throughout the whole thing. Uh, you know, several people um, 
they what they what more than one of them was trying to do, and they did very effectively, was to really help you to see through all the smoke of the negativity. Um, you know, Andy Bird threw out some statistics that said that, for example, less than one percent of adult evangelicals will share their faith in their entire adult life. Sorry, lead someone to the Lord. Wow. Less than less than thirty percent will ever even share their faith. In a recent poll of um, Gen Z, so that would be, I think he defines it as ages 25 and under, um, said that 60 to 65 percent of them are sharing their faith on a regular basis. And so he was talking about like everybody, like showing the 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 side by side the the battle that the enemy is waging for the hearts and the minds of our youth, and and the Lord's response, or maybe it's the Lord doing you know battling for them, and the enemy's response is probably the the appropriate way to say it. And he's just saying that you know contrasting that to to previous generations, the Lord is doing something really dramatically with them right now. And of course, that sort of demographic is Andy Bird's target, right? With the send, he's looking for really a missions movement of of young people to to rise up, not just out of America. I, he, anywhere but he's really focused on America and Brazil right now. Wow. Wow, that's cool. And a lot of them a lot of them had really similar messages like all of us are really aware of what the negatives are but here's the positive that the Lord's doing right in the middle of all of it. Do you see a trend with I see the emphasis uh, between kingdom and church. I, I you know I think when we first get saved we're devoted to our church, we have great admirers of our leaders. A lot of times we overesteem our leaders. One day they let us yeah. down like all men do. And the Bible says don't trust in man, but trust in the Lord. The middle verse of the Bible and the whole Bible, and it says don't even trust in the princes. Yeah. The other day. But I see a shift in kingdom men. So the kingdom, when it gets uses the church as a vehicle to to go in and out of it's not such an emphasis on yeah. church and people. Yeah. It's on the King of God and Kingdom of God. What I look at is is the winning the hearts, yeah. the lordship of the hearts in the hearts of men, whether that in church, out of the church, it's just yeah. we're going for lordship. Yeah. Everywhere, you know, which that's is, what I that's what I really love about the stream uh, up there, just their circle and their flavor is they're like they're bringing in pastors, they're bringing in ordinary believers, they're bringing in businessmen, they're bringing in housewives and they're basically like saying, here's the way that you can give yourself fully to the gospel no matter where you're at and what you're doing. And so they have gatherings of businessmen who are sitting together and praying about the most effective way to to gather the, the, the profits of their businesses and give into to kingdom purposes. Um, and, you know, really just seeking the Lord for specifically, how do you want my business to impact the kingdom? Do you want me to fund this ministry, that ministry, start one? You know, where, where do you want me to be the most effective? And I mean, it's, it's business guys who, the way I kind of saw this coming up, it started off with business and church being totally separate when I was a kid, like not lots of overlap. And then it became business give to your church. And, and that was great. And then it became businessmen start to witness in your business. You know, and now that evolution has seemed to come, it never left any of that behind, but it's come into what I think is a little bit more maturity. And they're saying, you know, what can your business itself impact for the kingdom? Uh, and, and they have a real strong emphasis on that uh, up there, um, which is kind of like you're saying, it's more pervasive, right? It, uh, what do you call it? It's... Uh, it, it permeates like the entire yeah. person. It's not just, yeah. you know, that that sort of um, 
isolating Christianity where church is church and everything else is everything else. You know, they're separate. And they're, they're kind of like breaking down those walls and saying, no, like the kingdom permeates everything. You know, it just soaks into everywhere, everything you are, and then you just do it. It's the goal of your life. And if you're in business, it's the goal of your business life. And if you're at home, it's the goal of your home life, you know. I, feel, I see people, churches that grow, they, they somehow are relational. They come and they're attracted to the relationship of one another. They're attracted to the pastor, the speaker, which is usually gifted or whatever, which is good. But the best is when you get someone kingdom. Yeah. That it doesn't matter who's preaching yeah. or what relationships they got. I'm going to extend the kingdom. If the yeah. church can fall, I'm yeah. going to stand up and go on tomorrow morning. That's, and those are the people I want to align myself well, with. Well, and that's what I love so much about John. I mean, you, you just hear his, his heart and his emphasis on helping everyone else. And this helps him, too, because this is his calling. But his emphasis on helping everyone else reach their mm-hmm. calling. Yep. And to fulfill the vision that God's given them, um, a lot of a lot of people have said that sort of things f- for years. But when you filter it down to their action, it is always what God's called you to do in and for our ministry. Mm-hmm. Like here's the vision of our church: get underneath and then serve the vision. And for a lot of times, that that coincides with a lot of people, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Serving your you're serving your local body, but I, I find it really refreshing to be at a place like Gateway 61, where their calling is to see your calling fulfilled. Um, which yeah. is just it's it's amazing, refreshing, and I just I wholeheartedly believe they're they're going to be launching a lot of ministries out of there. It is a, it is the most unique expression of God's kingdom I've ever been a part of. Yeah. It, it it doesn't have a lot of formulas, mm-hmm. a lot of even ministries going on publicly. But it, I was sitting there with Mike uh, yesterday uh, at church, and I and I pointed out fifteen movers and shakers mm-hmm. in that church. That are moving and shaking and doing little yeah, things like we're doing and, here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, with that, they don't need by holding their hand. Yep. They're just out there doing their thing. Yep. And, uh, and nobody at the church is intimidated. The no. other believers there aren't intimidated. No. John's not intimidated. Yeah, nobody's excellent. battling each other. Nobody's competing for anything. We're just like, yeah. let's get together and worship God together yeah. and support yeah. each other. Yeah, yeah, it's it's amazing. Yep. So I, I'm just so excited about it. So give me give me your 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 most favorite speaker. Mm-hmm. Tell me what was what did he speak on. Uh, what was your why and your takeaway from that speaker? Mm. So my favorite was a guy that I had never heard of. I'm going to walk across the room here and get his book so that I can remember his name. Hang on. Yeah, um, the I know it's always, you know, everybody always has their favorite, you know. Yeah, that um, really the, the funny thing about this was his name is David Englehart, I believe, and he's a lawyer out of New York that planted a church. And he still has his law practice, and he's, and then he's in the middle of church planting. And some of his testimony was, was just wild, you know, after spending several years uh, working in some sort of rougher neighborhoods and, you know, working side by side with a lot of the black community. And then when Black Lives Matter came in there within the last several years, like full force um, because of the... Uh, of the protests and things like that, he just had some people that he was very close to just like turn on him, um, and so he just, he shared a little bit about that, and that's only where he was coming from, um, but it kind of caught my attention um, just to to hear his heart um, and how he was affected by it and stuff like that. But his so, so Black Lives Matters ended up dividing the relationship over. Oh uh, yeah, dramatically there. Wow, for boy, sure. that's quite a statement. Well, and, and the thing was, it was they were established relationships. You know, it wasn't yeah. it wasn't like. Wow. 
he had a white church and then black people were eh, you know apathetic yeah. about it and then hated him he was like he had a multicultural church and had served alongside these people who are now you know from one week to the next telling them that him and his entire family are racist right um but that was just a small part that kind of opened like got me paying attention sure. and i was like oh sure. man this guy's story is kind of interesting it's unique um but his message was basically that the church and it was kind of a, a rebuke to the charismatic church in general but you know uh and maybe that's because that's what the audience was there but it was basically that the church has has stopped preaching repentance um that it was oh. you know grace only and you know he he just show, had a couple of uh he had a couple of examples um where while he wasn't quoting people verbatim, you just you got the point of what he was saying. You know, he said, you know, Jesus taught us to go out and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But if you look at the, the modern day charismatic church, they're just going around telling everybody the kingdom is at hand, the kingdom's at hand, the kingdom's at hand. Um, and we're, we're leaving out the repentance part. And, you know, he, he, he said, and, and I think demonstrated pretty well on how he did it, which I couldn't duplicate here, but that you know, the church's M.O. is kind of like, if you just hang around us enough, then you'll like us enough to evaluate your own life and then maybe decide to make a change. Mm -hmm. And he was just saying, that's, you know, that's not, that's not the order of the thing. The order of the thing was repent, become part of the kingdom, and then come fellowship with us. Mm -hmm. And he didn't, and when he said it, there was no air of you can't be in, with us or around us unless you're a repentant Christian. That, that wasn't it at all. It was just like, we're doing a detriment to the church by not calling people to repentance. Right. Um, it was was the was the thrust of it, and you know, you know, I said all that in three minutes, and he spoke for forty five minutes. But it was, it was, I I think it was prophetic that he did it in the middle of a prophetic conference that was about in, in envisioning a church to move forward out of COVID. You know, we've experienced some attrition. A lot of pastors are hurting and not really knowing how to move forward and stuff mm -hmm. and who's left and who, who, like, who continues to come and who doesn't. And um, I think it was prophetic that his message was call people to real repentance. Mm -hmm. And the next time there is a COVID, your church will thrive wow. instead of, instead of, it just being a filtering tool. Right. So in repentance is, the way I see repentance is that I was going east. I found that I was wrong in my ways, Christian or non-Christian, and I need to turn around and go west. You know, and uh, that uh, that it's a behavior change as yeah. opposed to just a yeah. verbal change. Right. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's good. That's good. So, uh, so uh, your takeaways from that speaker is any uh, in depth? Yeah, I mean, it brought it brought to mind um, it brought to mind a, a phrase that I, that the Lord brought to. I mean, it's a scripture, but the Lord had me kind of ruminating on for for gosh, probably the better part of two years um, in a different season of my life, and and that was that. I guess you could call it the inverse of those who are forgiven much love much. And, you know, in my meditation on the scripture, what I felt like the Lord was highlighting was that because of our lack of emphasis on sin, uh, and, and when I say that, I think the healthy expression of that is a bunch of believers who are overjoyed because of the sin they were forgiven of. 
Mm. Not, you know, not celebrating the sin, not condemning people, just like, do you know, like when Paul said, listed a bunch of, of different sins, and then at the end of it he says, and such were some of you. You know, he's like, you guys have been delivered from this stuff, mm. you know. So the inverse of those who are forgiven much love much is the lack of expression of love in the church. Like, where is the church sacrificially loving the world? And I think that's directly connected to forgiveness. But the thing about forgiveness is, did you ever think about how strange it was that when the Pharisees saw Jesus meeting with the tax collectors and prostitutes and they said, who are you dining with? And his reply was, I came to be with the sick, not the healthy. And I thought about that and I was like, but wait a second. A perishing world, everybody going to hell, they're all sick. But what, I, what he, I believe, what he was doing was he was saying that it's the recognition of their condition. Mm. I came to be with the ones that recognize they need a Savior. Mm. Because that was the big contrast, right? The Pharisees didn't think they needed a Savior. Mm. He's saying, I'm here to be with the people that recognize their sin. Mm. And so I think about it in the terms of the one who is forgiven much loves much. We've all been forgiven of the equivalent of murder, if we're honest, right? Because right. I've definitely hated people, and I've been forgiven of it. Right. So I've been forgiven of a ton. But the key difference that produces overwhelming amounts of love in my heart is that I recognize what I was forgiven of. But with zero emphasis on sin, we, don't, we take away, when we don't emphasize sin, we stop emphasizing forgiveness. Right. Uh, and it's not, a, it's not a matter of condemnation. It's a matter of just becoming an awe again of what we were forgiven of. Mm. And I think that the Lord built the, the human heart to respond to forgiveness with abundant love. Mm. And when we don't meditate on that forgiveness because nobody wants to talk about sin, mm. then, we, then we move away from that. So what would you say it's done? But like I said, that was kind of the oddball. It, didn't, it did fit, but it didn't fit with the rest of the, right. of the, of the conference. Um, what would you say uh, with your relationships, uh, Sarah, your close friends, the message? What do you think? It's it's does it pulled you together? Is it uh, where you where you see the same or what? What do you? What would you say? What would be your takeaway from that? For 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 Sarah and I in general, it for sure had an effect where we were. Where we were together in being concerned for the nation, we grew together in being more hopeful. Because aside from David Englehart, whose message was like, let's move forward this way, the other messages, which were still about envisioning us for what the Lord has for the nation, they were like telling us, these are the circumstances you see, but here's the ones that you don't see. And they were, like I said, just kind of helping you see through the fog at the different things the Lord's doing right in the middle of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was that was pretty significant because it felt like it was kind of shaking off some discouragement for us and really opening our eyes to the idea that n- nothing is out of control as far as the Lord's concerned. Right. He's right. not he's not losing a grip on America in any other way than what he's allowing. He's not, you know, he's not being caught off guard. He's not um, watching something spin out of his control. Uh, so it was it was a really refreshing kind of like uh, God's got this and He's working in the middle of, of of some of the negatives that we're that we're seeing and that are genuinely concerning. He's working in the middle of them. Oh, that's good. So for us, it really felt like a kind of a uh, together. We were kind of like, man, I didn't realize that we were in 
more of a state of discouragement about, about the country than we thought we were. It and is, that doesn't have, uh, I just want to say right yeah. now, it doesn't have yeah. to do with Biden winning over Trump. I mean, right. since before Trump and during Trump, you know, the, the LGBT agenda and the uh, transsexual agenda and, you know, all of that stuff predates Trump. It predates Biden. I mean, it's one of the things they talked quite a bit about was the enemy going after, after the youth. And, and that's one of the primary ways that it's happening, you know. And, <clears throat> excuse me. It was it was cool to hear um, one of the speakers uh, emphasize that it was right in the middle of the of the hippie free love sexual revolution that God brought in the Jesus movement. It was in the middle of that 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 you know he brought millions of people to the Lord and right now like all over America some of the most prolific and, and effective for the kingdom pastors came out of that out of that Jesus wow, movement. Wow, that's you know? interesting. Yeah. Wow, that's that's good. I know um, Mary and I were just witnessing to a guy at an ice cream shop. There was hardly anybody in there, and and we were just talking. And he uh, he was he was Catholic, and he was into Catholicism. And he said, "Well, yeah." He says, "I I just have a real hard time with them not accepting the with the LBQ LGBTQ yeah so um, a lot of letters you know and 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 we were sitting there listening to him and I knew where he was going I said you know in my opinion I thought we've lost that battle in trying to convince him that that we're right and he's wrong so Mary goes into it from a legal standpoint and then I tried to sidestep I go let's just get to the heart issue this is about you and God. Mm. It's not about your, you know, on the day of judgment, we're, there's only so many cards we're going to be able to use. We're going to yep. use a grace card, government card, or any card there. Yep. The only card is going to be the Jesus card. And yep. are you right with God? You know? And so I, I uh, sidestep that because if I can get someone to confess, they confess and God cleanses, right? Yeah. So I've been able to lead some homosexuals to the Lord at times. And I started out with the law, yeah. and it was fruitless. And right. we were just kind of beating each up, each other up yeah. theologically, but I went to the heart. You know, we were able to get something. Mm. This is between you and you and God, and you're going to stand yeah. before him one day, and what are you going to say to him? Yeah. It's a heart issue. It, it kind of goes back to what you said at the beginning of the podcast about um, the emphasis on church and church leaders. Because I've seen, and oddly enough, that was a pretty strong emphasis this weekend now that I think about it. They over, in a good way, overemphasized the idea that everyone needs to have a vibrant relationship with the Lord. Because it's not your relationship with your church, a.k.a. the Catholic Church, that is going to come in and fuel you through another pandemic. Right. Um, but to to your point, you know his objections to the with the Catholic Church, which oddly enough, you know he likes that they're not sinful enough, and some other people have a tol- a whole other sort of a, objection to to their local church. But um, that that makes me think of the number of people whose entire Christian walk has been derailed when they've seen pastors fall, and it's like. Well, your faith was in the wrong spot. I mean, I understand that it hurts and stuff, but the fact that mm-hmm. you reject God because of the actions of a man is... Uh, it's, Boy, that, that man, what a, I think that's a worthwhile rabbit run for a few minutes of if men fall, which they do, in my circles that I was discipled and brought up in, um, the leaders like to be esteemed, and we like to esteem as disciplees. And we yeah. in America we like heroes. 
we like the the guy that floats on the clouds and seems to do the the impossible and 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 definitely charismatic men can project themselves like that but again there's a day they're going to falter there's a day they're they're going to they're 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 going to fall off their high horse Yep. And sin, or in just character, yeah. or in just life. Or they're going to accidentally offend you in the hallway. They're exactly. My pastors were notorious, as I've seen other famous ones, for not saying hi or whatever. And you yeah. know what? I've learned that love believes the best. My pastor could be dealing with all the ills of society, incest, rape, yeah. uh, divorce, and that's on his desk. And just because he doesn't say hi to me and give me a cup of coffee, I'm going to leave yeah. his church. Right. You know, right. so, but let's just say... He does fall, you know. The just to to the to the listeners out there. The, there's three G's in ministry that you'll find. There's girls, gold, and glory, and and they try to get your goat. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's the money, it's the glory of yeah. man, or it's girls. And uh, but John Casco said this to me one time. He said, "But don't forget the fourth G." He said, "Grace." Grace, yeah. If you do fall, there's yeah. always grace. Right. So, if you're a part of somebody, you're overesteeming your pastor. Don't do that. Yeah. They're just men. Have a mm-hmm. relationship with God, but support them. Yeah, love on them. They need their people. They're yeah, human. You know, I I know some of uh, some of the pastors of some really large churches personally, and you know, I see people like line up and they'd like to talk to them after the service and stuff like that. And it doesn't have to be a very large church before that's a, a one or two hour. Not conversation, but com- the sum of all the conversations of the people that want to talk to you, you know. And I, I hear people getting offended that they walk out. Oh, they just whisk themselves away, and and they're not personable, and all that kind of stuff. And virtually everyone I know would love to be, but what a lot of people don't see, and just one of those situations where people can easily be offended, what a lot of people don't see is that behind the scenes they have people, sometimes doctors, sometimes prophets, warning them, saying you're headed somewhere bad if you don't take care of yourself. Yeah. You have got to take it easy. And so they're doing their best at risk of offending a whole bunch of people. And all we do is me, 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 me. And, oh, he wouldn't talk to me. And, oh, he didn't say hi to me. He didn't answer my question. And he's doing his best to honor what he believes the Lord is saying through a doctor, through a prophet, through his wife, uh, through her husband. And and they're trying to – now, far be it for me to say that there's not – those types of preachers, but you know what? That's not who I'm talking about. I'm talking about good men, good honorable men, uh, men right. of God who would love to stay and talk to someone, but are doing their best to to walk out their life and their calling how, how they yeah. can. Yeah, I, I love it that Pastor, we talk often talk about Pastor John, which is uh, John Kramer. He's Gateway 61. I mean, he, I mean, he just admitted lately he's been in counseling. I'm like, that's yeah. the first pastor. I ever <laughs> and, and he's like, look at him, human. He says, you know, he yeah. said my takeaway from it was that I found that I, I take things personally and deeply and I feel things. Yeah. And, he, and uh, my the counselor challenged me to, to not take it personally yeah. and, and, to, and that he's human. And what, again, puts me, helps me continue to remind me he is a human. He's going through. But my point was, let's just say we do see our, some of our favorite people fall or whatever, yeah. our pastor. The fourth is grace, which is yep. re, is restorative. The Bible says those who mature, and I probably wasn't until I was a 20-year-old plus Christian, was mature enough to see someone falter and to go alongside of them yeah. and see them restored. Mm-hmm. You know, and now I feel fully equipped. Nothing would surprise me anymore. Yeah. You know, it's just like, oh. Unfortunately. So you're a bank robbing, pornography, you know, yeah. woman-wise. I'm like, wow, okay. 
That's sinful, but let's deal with it one by one, and let's move forward if you want to in righteousness. You know, but uh, and let's let's uh, not kick the the church when they're down and out. Let's let's pull alongside of them. So yeah, but yeah, so it's good stuff. So in that question, do do you see you kind of answering the question, but do you see a difference in leadership in this day and age? More of a servant, more of uh, a different approach. We did well, 20 years know, ago. the Lord gave me a, a prophetic word for the pastor of the church that we were just at. You know, I've been going there for conferences and even attended church there a little bit when I lived in, in the Northeast area. And um, one th- common theme for that church, and this is getting back to your question, but one common theme for that church is people go there and they're just like, the excellence the, that just kind of permeates this church is crazy noticeable. Like, everything is done well and everything is done excellently and the people are overjoyed to do it um and you know the the prophetic word to the pastor that i felt like i got was the one of the keys to the legacy of the ministry that you've built here is that the excellence that this church that 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 house is known for came about because he and his li- he and his wife love people so well. I mean, people are the biggest fans of this pastor. But when you talk to him about it, you instantly know. I mean, you have one conversation with somebody from the church and you instantly know that it's not cult of personality. It's just like we love them because of who they are, how they love other people. Mm-hmm. And that just just being able to communicate the love of Christ by the way they love people just wants people to bring out excellence. Like I just, sure. not not I want to serve you, the person. It's just like you've loved me like Christ and that just makes me want to pour excellence yeah. on, on my service for the, for the Lord and what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, so I think to answer your question, it's in pockets. You know, you see pockets of really traditional firm, hierarchical structures um, and, you know, guys that go and set up churches and, and gather people alongside of them, come serve my vision. And those can look a lot of different ways. Um, they're not all of them have to be negative, but some of them are. Uh, so I don't know. I think it's probably going to look like pockets, you know, the wheats and the tares growing up together for forever. Um, but if you look, there are places like Gateway 61, places like Life Center Harrisburg, where, where they're really leading well, in my opinion. So let's let's uh, in closing here. Let's uh, let's talk about. You got a prophetic message. Some of the greatest leaders in our nation right now. If you were to give us three action points as us as Christians to move forward, what do you see from that conference, and what do you see, and what's going on? So from the Envision conference and, and sort of their messaging. Three action points. One of them was for sure, I guess, so um, there's a really popular um, minister out of Pittsburgh uh, that has just been a a really solid, humble, but 
an immensely effective uh, minister of the gospel in Pittsburgh for a long time um, named uh, Joseph Garlington, Bishop, Bishop Joseph Garlington, and he was there. And uh, he preached this message, uh, and he opened it up with, with a joke, which I'll tell really quickly because it's not a long joke, um, but it was kind of the intro to the whole idea of what he was, what he was going into. But he said that there was this guy whose dad uh, it was a full-blooded Brazilian, lived in Brazil most of his life, and had recently moved to the States to be with his son. And his son felt bad because that was having a, a language barrier and couldn't communicate with people around him as much as he'd like. And so he has this brilliant idea and he buys them this $6,000 bilingual parrot for Christmas. Speaks English and Portuguese and the dad can communicate with him and all this stuff. And uh, so the day after Christmas, he calls his dad and he says, Dad, did you get the bird? Did you like it? And he said, yeah, it was, it was awesome. Everybody loved it. It tasted great. And he goes, tasted great? Dad, tell me you didn't eat that bird. And he goes, well, yeah, of course I ate the bird. And it, it was kind of a different flavor, but everybody really liked it. And we seasoned it up really good and we ate the bird. He goes, dad, that was a $6,000 bilingual bird. It spoke English and Portuguese. That's why I got it for you. And he goes, the dad goes, the bird could speak. He goes, yeah, dad, the bird could speak. And he goes, well, why didn't he say something then? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. And that was his intro to the message of, to the, to the church, say something, do something. Like, speak up. Everybody's so concerned and so frazzled about what's going on around us. And for the most part, the church is silent. That has been, from what I've heard from multiple sources now, one of the overwhelming takeaways, like one of the strongest takeaways out of the truck convoy in Canada was that the tr secular truckers are doing what the Canadian church wouldn't do. Wow. And that's far from wanting to throw a blanket statement on, on everyone, sure. but I'm saying this is what I've been told by Canadians, that the secular truck convoy was doing something that the Christian church was too silent to do. And I think, you know, that was his message was do something. Wow. The other, that would be one. The other one was definitely seek the Lord intensely. Like not, I mean... Go beyond the, the routine five-minute Bible study kind of a thing. Like, make your life kingdom-centered. Um, and the third would probably be an emphasis on the upcoming generation uh, and the warfare over them. I'll, I'll say that I'll, I'll merge those into one. The, the emphasis on the upcoming generation, they were kind of saying Generation Z is approximately 25 years and younger. And just saying that there there needs to be to be spiritual warfare done over them. Like we need to to be intent and, and in our interactions with them and and in our prayers over them. They're they're just the onslaught. So I told you some of those statistics about how the Christians in them are witnessing. We also have a new statistic that says that. Uh, it was between 40 and 50%, I believe, of that generation consider themselves non-heterosexuals. Oh, wow. Wow. Huh. wow. Which is an enormous increase. Right. Current adults, it's down to the historical 4%. Wow. Um, so take it for what you will. There's an onslaught against them right now. Right. Um, so I would say those were probably the big, the big three was like, Number one, speak up. Speak up. Do something, say something. Do something, say something. Pursue okay. the Lord intensely. Seek Him. Seek yeah, Jesus like a lot of them were like, shake off the, shake off maintenance mode. Like, right. I have my relationship with Jesus, and the way I maintain it is I have a nice, quiet five minutes of prayer every morning. And they're like, no, shake it off. Like, 
go after him You're intensely. Ready to, you're you know, ready to really um, and then the, and the third was the emphasis on on the youth, on the youth. Okay. Yeah. And uh, praying for them and, and praying for them and just and, and and seeking them like going after them, mentoring, right, right. discipling. You know, um, there wasn't a lot of really practicals on it. Um, it was more of an exhortation kind of a conference. Um, mm. But I don't think you have to get super practical. You just you find a kid, and it doesn't look like there can be an open door for a, sort of a mentoring sort of relationship. Move on. Mm. Right. I'm not right. saying ditch them, right. but just find the ones that are open to it. The Lord's already been working yeah. on. I always say, he who wins souls is wise. And I always say, let's continue to outsmart the enemy. Mm-hmm. You know, the enemy is not that smart. Mm. I mean, he does. He's he's got dementia. He just keeps doing the same thing over. Yeah. So if we just watch it, conquer, divide, yeah. steal, yeah. deceive, you know, and we if we just go, you know, okay, what would be Gen X? Would be our Gen X uh, right now that we're winning? No, over? Gen Z is who we're in right now. Gen, Gen yeah. Z, yeah. Gen Z, and they the millennials. Like Gen X, millennials, Gen Z. Yeah, in yeah. Order. Okay, yeah. I'm on the border between Gen X and millennial, but I'll claim Gen X because millennials have a bad rep. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they do. They all get bad reps. We we label them in that, yeah. you know. Um, they they get my Uber car all the time, and I, I love I love people in between eighteen and twenty five. I had one this morning. Yeah, Gen he's Z. From, he was from Vietnam. Oh, okay. And okay. Uh, I couldn't quite understand him, but I kept I kept listening to him, talking mm-hmm. to him, and I kept picking his brain about America. What do you appreciate about America? Yeah. And I and I said, hey, did you know why America is so blessed? Do you know that we're not better, we're blessed. So. I, I've seen some presidents in the past apologize because we, like, we're projecting better and arrogance. Yeah. No, it's not. There's men of God, that are godly men like Trump and others, whether you like them or not. And they actually actually like Trump. He said they they make good, profound, wise decisions upon our nation that we elected. Yeah. Our heart and America elected them. The Ronald Reagans and on and on. They made key decisions that brought blessing and favor upon our nation. I said, why is that significant? Because we're a Christian nation, you know, and, and I know secularism and humanism and all the isms are trying to dominate us, but our roots and what has really made us different is that. Yeah. And I said, I, I, want you, I want you to remember that. And he says, yeah, he says, thanks for sharing that with me. He says, I, we do often ask, why is America so blessed? Yeah. And no one knows. I said, the reason why we don't, we've lost our way in America. We don't know as a whole. So we don't, we, we go over and save whole countries. And we give them money. We yeah. need to give them Bibles. Yeah, you know, Patton said that when he went over Japan. I think he was the commander mm-hmm. at that time. He says, "My my thing." He says, "I want to give them. I want to send over about six seven forty sevens full of Bibles yeah. and hand them out. Mm-hmm. This is our message." And and the government said, "No, no, no. We can't be doing that. Let's just give them money and rebuild them." So mm-hmm. then we rebuilt them to a prosperous nation now. Yeah. And uh, rebuilt them, and they don't even know why. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even if they don't accept Christ, right. at least they should know the message. Yeah. So anyway, so in, in closing, is there any other things that you could say that you profoundly... Uh, oh, support? man, well, we made this kind of off the cuff on purpose. I, if I sat down and it, tried to make it more scripted, I'm sure I could, but I, those were those were the obviously okay. the ones that were kind of at the forefront of my mind um, okay. as, being, as being the most important because they were the easiest ones to recall, I think. Yeah, so uh, just in everybody, we, we have a uh, importance of vision. We continue with division boards, and you'll always hear us talk a lot about vision because uh, we are a people that see, and yeah. that's what makes Christians distinctly different. Prophetic Christians, where they have the ability to see a better tomorrow, yeah. which I read Isaiah 62. It is, look, you're a church no longer desolate, 
no longer not enough. You are more than enough. Yeah. And you are actually the answer to the world. Yeah. You know, and you're such an answer to the world that people, you're going to be sought after. Yep. And that is my goal. I want to be a part of a church yep. that has more than enough in wisdom, finances, and in every You know, area, so. I, let me say this, um, just to tie back into that real quick, because it is a, kind of an emphasis of ours here. Um, my, my friend that runs Life Seeds, he also has a relationship with a lot of Latin American pastors in the area. And, you know, he'd disappear for hours and hours at a time during the conference and come back and tell me that he was meeting with pastors the whole time. And he said that one really common phrase is that they either don't have vision or they don't know how to communicate the vision to the people. Wow. Um, and so it made me think of us and our sort of like emphasis on that and the importance of it and how to do it and things. He said it's an overwhelming problem for, mm-hmm. for pastors right now is they don't, I mean, just, you know, the, the title would be vision. And sometimes it's communicating it and sometimes it's, you know, not even having one. Like, well, Lord told me to go be a pastor, but I don't know what to do. Oh. I don't know what that means. I don't know where that should take me. I don't know how to tell the people. I don't know how to gather people around the vision. Oh. And he said that was the overwhelming thing that they come with him oh. to, to, to discuss. No, I served as a sales manager for 12 years, and I used to study the art of communication. And uh, we used to always say if we do not touch that person six times with an idea or a concept, we yeah. will make no impact on them. Yeah. So we had to go verbal, visual, verbal, visual. And, and tell and then a lot of times you have to get into their vans and that and see behavior. Yeah. And it, they don't get it till they get the behavior. So that's something I, I would I, it fascinates me that I would love to talk about that the art of communication and how are you communicating? Yeah. And maybe we can even inspire others to be more yeah, effective be at yeah. the casting vision because I'm I'm around a lot of leaders that I would say some have vision but a lot of them don't know how to articulate their vision. Yeah. You know and deliver that so. Um, just as a as way of a, a sort of little bit of a teaser, um, I will say that uh, Rich and I have talked about from the beginning wanting to interview people, and so we think we're going to try and open that up here pretty soon. As soon as the uh, schedule aligns, there's we'll probably try to bring in the infamous John Kramer that we keep yeah, talking about and ask him one. about church yeah. and things like that and how he runs church and why we think it's so different. And there's a handful of other guys, but we are always open to ideas. We have a running list of ideas that we'd like to talk about that he and I keep track of. So if you are interested um, in trying to uh, send us an idea, we'd be open to hearing about ideas that you'd like to hear us talk about. Probably the easiest way to get that to us would be to find our Facebook page in layman's terms. Um, I guess there's a couple pages on Facebook like that, but ours has kind of like a, a circular logo with the word in layman's terms, I think in white in the middle of the, of the logo. Try to find us on there and shoot us a message if you'd like to suggest a, a topic for discussion or even maybe uh, someone to interview. All right. All right. Let's just close. Hey, I just want to mention that uh, we've worked up some technical difficulties at times here and that... I, I feel ready enough to where uh, we'd love to get feedback on what are we doing right, what's helpful. If there's anything we can do that would better this uh, podcast, that would be great. We'd love to hear your feedback and uh, just uh, continue to move forward in a more effective way. So, Lord, we just thank you for conferences, Lord, that we can just get away and uh, re-envision ourselves, God. And I just highly recommend it to each and every one of us. I'm going to do it in a couple weeks. So, Father, uh, we just ask you to use uh, other getaways and and times away to just focus on the Lord. So we thank you for uh, Ben and Sarah able to do that, God. And, 
We just pray that they would continue to project their lives and those around them in a greater way, Father. And we just uh, commit today to you, Lord. We commit uh, our words to you, God, as we've spoken, that it would be uh, beneficial to those who listen to it. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.